buying your first home is overwhelming and scary and downright intimidating. So let's fix that. Today, if you're listening to this, that means you're 326 of the way to being unconfused because we've defined the terms for A, B, and C. So today, we're going to go to the Ds. Let's dominate the damn definitions. That's my D alliteration. You like it? Let's go. What is up, my How to Buy Homies? Learning time with David Sidoni, your first time home buyer guru, dropping knowledge. But today I'm doing it with an alphabetical flair. Let's get right to it. The people demand it. Get it? Demand it? Because we're doing the Ds. Here we go. All right, first up is days on market. Now, this is also known as DOM, not to be confused with DM, although you can DM me at David Sidoni on Instagram and ask me your question. But DOM is a term you're going to hear a lot when you're getting ready to buy a house, okay? It's the number of days that a home has been listed for sale on the real estate broker's multiple listing service. It's also known as the MLS. Now, recently, people have been pre-listing their homes. So this has kind of changed the days on market a little bit. They're going to show the homes as coming soon. So this actually makes sense, and it's really good for you buyers because they appear on the internet, but hey, maybe those homes aren't available to see until a later date. Now, this is important to you because in this crazy 2022 market, you know, bear in mind this fun fact that days on market might say four days, but that home may have never been shown before. So don't freak out and think that you missed it. Now, if you're listening in the future, you got to think I'm nuts. Four days on the market and you miss it. <laughs> Welcome to 2022. So again, take a look at those days on market. If they're short, it, remember, it might not have had a showing on it. But if you see more than one or two days, contact your realtor immediately and get out there and see that home as soon as you can. All right. So if we're doing this at another time in a regular market, here's the way it works. A low average DOM, also known as the days on market, that indicates that it's a strong market that favors the sellers. And conversely, a high average DOM or days on market, that signals that it's a weak market for the sellers, which favors who? You buyers out there. Don't forget, certain seasons and holidays, they definitely are going to affect the DOM. Not out here in Southern California, because we don't have snow, but places you have snow, of course, it's going to change. And especially at the end of the year, those days on market times, they can lengthen a lot. So if you've got holidays or snow days or things like that, make sure you take that into account because the numbers can significantly change based on the average market time. So the biggest example of days on market, if in 2022 and you see days on market for 30 days, either that home is stupidly overpriced or it's priced correctly, but it's haunted or they decide to use beanbag chairs for toilets. I don't know. That's there's something wrong with a home for 30 days in 2022. Our next D word is debt. Oh, everyone's favorite word, right? Webster says that debt is money owed from one person or institution to another person or institution. Now, we're going to talk about debt a lot when you're getting ready to buy your home. You and your lenders are going to be going over that over and over and over again. You need to know that gross debt is not necessarily a killer to your chances of being able to get approved for a home loan. So don't freak out if you have big, giant debts. It's all about monthly. Okay. The example I give to people all the time is that $100,000 student loan, that's your gross debt, but it might only cost you 500 bucks a month. 
you know, especially if you've got an income driven repayment plan, which a lot of you folks with student debts do. But if you decide to spend your money and buy some sweet ride, all right, let's say you've got $5,000 left on your gross debt for your car. You're thinking, hey, that hundred thousand student loan, that's going to hit me way worse. Yeah. But what if your monthly payment's a thousand bucks? Because you bought some really expensive car, didn't put a lot down, and had a big payment. Well, that payment monthly is twice as much, even though you've only got 5000 left on it. But the monthly payment's twice as much as your $100,000 student loan. So guess what? That car payment, it's costing you twice as much in your home loan approval as the $100,000 that you owe on your student loan. It's all about monthly. Forget the gross. Next up is debt ratio. This is the number one way that lenders measure your ability to manage your monthly payments. And why do they want to know you can manage your monthly payments? Because they want to make sure you can repay the loan. So this helps the lenders determine the affordability that you can get with a loan based on the loan programs that they have available, as well as it allows them to estimate how much you can afford to pay monthly for that mortgage. Your debt to income ratio is all about your monthly recurring debt payments. Remember those monthly payments. And that's divided by your gross monthly income. Now that's gross monthly income as in before taxes. So when you're trying to figure out what your recurring payments are, add everything up. You got your car payments, your other installment debts, any alimony or child support if you got that, and then your payments on your open-ended accounts like your credit cards. And then you plug in your new monthly housing expense because that's going to be the next recurring payment that they need to factor in. So on an FHA loan, the normal, again, this is general, make sure you check with your unicorn lender on this, but in general, if you're just trying to get some numbers, for FHA, then in general, normal accepted monthly payment should be no more than 29% of the monthly gross income. And then your mortgage payment combined with that, that shouldn't exceed 41% of your income. Although with some FHA programs, that can go all the way to 46%. So 29% with everything else, all your debts, and then you add in your new payment and that should go up to 41 to 44, 45, sometimes even 46%. Now, if you're looking at a conventional loan, the numbers are a little bit different. Lenders look for borrowers for their monthly payment on housing to be about 28% of the total monthly income. And then for the debts, they're looking at like 36% of the income just to go to the debt payments. So you've got a little bit of a different leeway there when you're going with a conventional loan. Now, if your percentage is on the, the higher side, then maybe you need to reduce some of your monthly debts. Or you could maybe pay one off that's getting close to the end and just eliminate it completely from your recurring debts. Like, I don't know, hmm, oh, sell that car, get rid of that monthly payment. And then you can buy a used one and have no monthly payment. And then that won't affect your debt to income ratio because it doesn't create a new payment that creates debt. I know a lot of first timers that have used this trick. In fact, I saw some girl on TikTok who sold her Mercedes and bought a like a used Camry or something. And then she bought a car when she was 27. Yeah, so she was in a used car, but in a new house pretty dope. And you know, what I like to say is, remember, if you need a car to attract people to come to your crib, and then your crib's a crappy one bedroom apartment, maybe, maybe you need to work on that. Well, first of all, maybe you need to work on your game if you need a car to get them to come to your apartment. But maybe instead of being so concerned about that sweet whip, how about you get them 
to see past your beater of a car and then you can close the deal when they find out that you're a property owner. <laughs> I'm just saying, please, please don't don't use this against me someday. I know this is going to come back to haunt me that I'm trying to give dating tips by being a homeowner. Okay, the next one is a deed. That is the document that shows that the owner of a piece of real property, we call it real property, that's a real real estate term, that they have title to the property. That deed is the document that you use when you're going to transfer ownership or title of the property, and it is the physical evidence that proves that you own the home. So I don't know, maybe you laminate it and wear it on your chain when you go to the club. Since you did, you know, you listened to me and you sold your car and now you had to take an Uber to get there. So, you know, you got that big deed around your neck. You look dope. You'll receive your deed when you close on your loan. Now, side note, once a deed is filed and recorded by your local government, well, then that deed becomes a public record. So you're on the record. So if you're a private person, be aware of this when you're getting ready to buy a home. The next D is the deed in lieu or also sometimes called a deed in lieu of foreclosure. Not a term you want to know because the deed in lieu of foreclosure, that's an arrangement where you voluntarily turn over the ownership of your home right back to the lender so you can avoid the entire foreclosure process. It's also known as a voluntary conveyance. Now, this is a public service announcement I got coming to you right now. I've been around a while. Like I've told you many, many times, I'm 52 years old. That means I'm old. Drink. So, if you're having trouble owning a home, I've been through this and I've seen it. I was through the worst gross foreclosure time ever. Just put this in your earbuds right now. Okay, look, if you ever get in trouble, you know anyone is getting in trouble, do yourself a favor and call your realtor or your lender the minute that you get a month behind. I mean, even after just one 30 days late, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it backfire when people just try to wait it out and figure it out. I've seen so many people lose their homes just out of sheer embarrassment or shame because they waited too long to talk to their local pros, waited too long to get back in touch with their unicorns. And almost all of them, I mean, almost all of them had an opportunity a different something that they could have done to avoid the short sale, the foreclosure, the deed in lieu. It's not always the only way out, but it will be your only way out if you wait too long to talk to somebody. So if you know anybody in trouble, I mean this gang, the first sign of trouble, call. I'm begging you this as, as the guy who you listen to in your year old's way or on your treadmill. You know why I do this. I do this because I care about you guys. If you know anyone in trouble, call right away. You don't have to do anything when you call. You might find out that you have answers that come up later on. You're not calling someone to say, come over and sell my home today. You're calling to get answers. Because if you don't call and you do nothing and you just hope it goes away, then you might lose your home. And you could pay dearly for that for years and years and years. Our next D is the deed of trust. A deed of trust is a document showing that a borrower conveys title to a real property to a third party known as a trustee to be held as a security for the lender with the provision that the trustee will return the title once the debt is paid. What the hell are you talking about, Sidoni? Here it is. That means your home has a note on it and you don't own it. The bank does. There you go. That's what a deed of trust is. Once you pay it off, then you get it. So in other words, when you buy a house, that trustee is going to hold your deed of trust and the lender hangs on to that until you pay off the mortgage or if you default on the loan. And if you default, then they're going to sell it because that's why it's a deed of trust because you don't really own it until you pay it off. Default. That is in general 
It's a failure to fulfill a legal obligation. In housing, most of the time, of course, what does that mean? That means the inability to pay your mortgage payments or to otherwise meet the terms of the mortgage. If the default is not corrected or fixed, then the lender comes back and forecloses on the mortgage loan. Okay, the next D word is delinquency. Damn, these D words are depressing. This is ridiculous. How many crappy words can we do in a row? How about don't do any of the freaking D words? You all know what delinquency is. It's a failure to make a payment when a payment's due. The term for the condition of the loan when a scheduled payment hasn't been received by that scheduled date, then that means you're delinquent. But here's the deal. Generally, you are going to get a grace period. They don't like to tell you about this, but you actually get like a 15-day late period for most loans before they're actually going to even tack on a late fee. And you get up to 30 days before they report it to the credit bureaus. So, okay, these, these words are awful. Let's see if we can get a D word with some good vibes, some positive vibes. Next D word, depreciation. Great, so much for good vibes. Depreciation, that's the decline of value, you know, usually due to the changing market. But it also is due because sometimes your home can depreciate in a flat market or maybe even an appreciating market if you let your home go to crap. Yeah, not upkeeping your home can actually depreciate the value of your home. So cut your dang lawn. Our next D is called a demand feature. Okay, now my D about this word is this D word. Dude, talk to your unicorn lender and if you see a demand feature. <laughs> Dude, that's my D word. If you're reading your closing disclosure and, and it's checked where it says, yes, your loan has a demand feature, you best know and understand that this permits the lender to require an early repayment of the loan. Need I say more? Dude. Yeah, nobody wants to repay their loan early. You budget for a monthly payment, not, oh, hey, guess what? We want $200,000. No. Okay, our next D word is the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Now, they're also known as HUD. In fact, they're known as HUD most of the time. This should really be an H word because when you're buying a house, everyone talks about HUD. But because it starts with department, it's here in the Ds. Department of Housing and Urban Development, it's a government entity, and they're responsible for the implementation and also the administration and kind of watching over a lot of things in the housing and urban development programs. You're going to hear about these HUD terms and requirements and things like that when you're applying for a home loan. The next D is discount points. Well, if you're going in order, I'm sure you heard all about this because I covered them in the B episode because it's also very often known as buying down the points. The next D is a very important D word, down payment. Now, what is down payment? Really simple. It's a portion of the price of the home, usually between 3 and 20%, not borrowed, but it's paid upfront in cash. Now, some loans, specifically the VA loans, they can be as low as 0% down. As I've said before, the VA loans are super rad. So if you served or you're an active military person right now, I highly recommend you use a VA loan. But when it comes to the down payment, you don't have to put zero down. You can put as much down as you want, but you can do a zero down payment. Now, the math's pretty simple on this. Your down payment's also going to be the difference between the sale price of the home and the mortgage amount. Make sense? It should. Generally, the larger down payment you make, well, the lower the interest rate you're going to receive and the more likely you're going to be approved for a loan. However, you do not. Let me repeat. You do not need a 20% down payment. 
You don't need 20% to buy a home. In fact, last year, first-time home buyers averaged only 7% for their down payment. And many, many first-time buyers, since I've been doing this all the way back to 2005, have used a 3.5% FHA down payment loan. There you go. And now we're getting to something that people ask me about all the time, down payment programs, grants, or assistance programs. Now, here's the definition for them. A down payment grant or assistance program, it typically refers to assistance provided by an outside organization. Some of them are government, some of them are nonprofit agencies, and what they do is they assist the home buyer with a down payment. (laughs) How literal is that? Sometimes the funds can be provided as an outright grant. You just get the money. And sometimes they're going to require a different form of repayment at some point, such as when the home is sold or maybe later on in a different time period within your loan. So the 2022 truth bomb about what we call DPA, down payment assistance. You're going to see a lot of this on TikTok and on Instagram and on Facebook because people want you to click on them and buy a home from them. I don't care if you buy a home from me because you're listening to this in your ear holes and you're probably in Minnesota and I ain't nowhere near that. I'm telling you this because I want you to learn and understand and know right now in 2022, unless you're listening to this way in the future and you're in your anti-gravity apartment uh, right now in the present it's not a great time to use one of these programs. They're just not viable. There's too much competition. If you need one of these down payment assistance programs or grants to get your down payment, I honestly can tell you right now, I wouldn't count on that making you viable to buy a home. You're going to bump up against a bunch of other competition. You're going to get dropped to the bottom of the pile. So the best thing you can do right now is spend your time and energy focusing on your individual budget and your savings plan. Don't think that just because you need one of these to buy a house that you shouldn't be doing anything. You should be doing lots. You should be planning, planning, planning. And who knows? The market might change and maybe they'll come back. The due on sale clause. Now, this is mostly for sellers. What it is is how much you owe them to pay off the loan and you take it out from your profits when you sell your house. Got it? Cool. Due diligence. Now, this one is going to be used a lot in real estate. Now, generally, it's a period of time that is afforded to you in the contract, also known as the purchase agreement, and it's for you to examine the property. You're not only going to look at the property, you're also going to be reviewing all the full disclosures and getting all the facts about all everything that you could know about the property. You want to get the conditions and the history of it, what anybody knows. It's the period where you're going to do your inspections and your appraisal and find out all of it. And the reason you do that in this due diligence period is this is your time to decide if you're going to move forward with the sale. Now, in some states, it's called the conditions period. Now, there's states, it's the contingency period. We talked about that a lot in the C episode. So, That due diligence period is very important for you to know about because that's going to be your time to find out if there's problems with the home and when you might negotiate or renegotiate with the seller to see if you're going to move forward. Yeah, these D words, they were terribly depressing. But you know what the good news is? We're not going to be having any of you get in trouble with all these D words because you listen to the podcast. You got all your information. You're going to be all prepared, right? The P word, prepared. 
Way better than all these stupid D words. If you want more non-D word related information on how to buy a home or figuring out where you start this entire process, which is what more and more people are asking me these days, you can check out all the other places where the how to buy a home stuff is happening. If you're on TikTok, follow me for bite-sized tips and drop me a comment. I got a couple people in the comments that said, I'm a homie. That was dope. Keep it up. It's at how to buy a home. I'm going to be getting big on TikTok because there's a whole lot of people out there that need the answers to these questions just like you. If you are getting sick and tired of it and bored of listening to me in your ear holes and you're ever just laying in bed going through your Instagram, jump over to at David Sedoni on Instagram. Scroll through the videos. I've been putting stuff up on Instagram for years. You'll find some stuff that'll maybe be some, you know, refreshers for you. And of course, the big one now, we are on YouTube. It's the How to Buy Home podcast on YouTube. Check us out on the tube. Watch it, share it, send it with friends. Send it with friends? Sure. I talk for a living. Good job, David. Okay, I am now, what is it? That's D, so A, B, C, D. That's 426th, which is what, two-thirteenths of the way done with my letters. As always, I'm so grateful and happy to all of you listeners out there, and I really hope you're getting a lot of value out of this crazy little podcast that is growing into the leading authority to actually help all of you folks out there who have questions, and I know there's a lot of you, we're almost up to 500,000 downloads, and I know it's exciting, and that sounds like a lot, right? But every year, 2 million first-time homebuyers buy homes. So please, I'm happy to be you know, leading the charge, empowering you, and getting your education, but share this with your friends. Let's shed the light on more people. More people need to understand and not be scared and intimidated and confused by this. Let's demystify buying a home. I don't care if you're going to do it this month, next month, or next year. The whole point is, here you are. You get it all from A to Z, even when I go through boring or incredibly depressing. And my gosh, I feel like I'm talking to my 12-year-old daughter with how depressing the D words were today. She's lovely. She just likes to be dark. It's a different thing. So... Share the podcast with your friends. Pull them out of the darkness. Now, wouldn't it be cool if, to, if you could be the friend that opened the eyes and the ear holes of one of your friends with all this knowledge? Because you know this random dude who's on podcast. He can help you discover this incredible thing that you found out, which is <gasps> you can do this.